Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. So we are doing a kind of new sort of mini-series um, called Life in Legacy. And the reason for that is we are... Look, we, we, we discussed as a kind of um, preaching group about the fact that there's these, of these traditional events in the traditional church, things like, some of which we celebrate, Easter Sunday, Good Friday. We, we pick up on those because we recognise them as significant. But there's lots that we kind of just let go by um, because of whatever. We don't know about them, we don't engage with them, we don't connect with them, whatever it may be. Um, and actually, there's a lot of life in a lot of those things. So, for example, today we're going to look at... Um, Ascension and the, the looking at the fact that Jesus obviously we, we celebrate Jesus um, going to the cross, we celebrate Jesus rising from the dead, but we don't talk whatsoever about Jesus ascending, despite the fact that was a hugely significant moment in the life of the early church. And then we don't also necessarily talk about it to a point where we don't really spend any time focusing on Pentecost, for example. Again, a, a phenomenally significant point in the church. And so there's these events that traditionally in the kind of Church of England, etc., they have a, a focus on, and they, they, they build around. And we sometimes, in charismatic churches, think, well, we don't do that. We just talk about it whenever we want to talk about it. And there's an element of health to that and balance to that, but also we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So we've picked up four, uh, the next sort of four Sundays, that are really significant in the back sort of section of Jesus leaving, sending the Holy Spirit, etc., etc. And we're looking at those... Um, over the next sort of four weeks and unpacking those in the next sort of four weeks because I really believe there's a sense of life in those a sense of life in that legacy there's sometimes tradition is bad because it locks us up but sometimes tradition in the sense of things that are regularly done there's life in them and we don't necessarily have to cast out the baby with the bathwater from that point of view so we're looking at ascension this week um, it was technically ascension day on the 10th of may which what day was that's three days ago um which i'm sure we all had a particular focus on uh, on the 10th of may but it's a hugely significant thing so what is ascension um without teaching grandma to suck eggs it's jesus ascending um after he's been resurrected so jesus has died he has been resurrected three days later um, he's obviously spent prior to that three years, probably a bit over three years with his disciples, become a significant part in their life, not just a significant part because he's a good guy and he's an impressive guy, but because of the hope they pin on him, of the expectation they pin on him, sometimes for <coughs> good reasons and the same reasons that Jesus believes he's there for, sometimes for completely different reasons, that Jesus is going to come and redeem Israel, Jesus is going to come and bring in this kingdom that's going to overthrow the Roman Empire, that Jesus is coming and do all this kind of stuff, and they pin those hopes on him, but whatever the case they have spent three and a bit years with him and in those three and a bit years he has turned their world upside down because of what he's done, what he said how he's behaved, and just then what he did when he died, when he rose again, um, and then he's with them for about 40 days, teaching them about the kingdom of God, and then he ascends and I think sometimes that we as people after them don't necessarily capture what that would have felt like for them that this guy who they have spent this time with and not just the length of time three years which is significant in itself but the intensity of that time and how he has transformed and revolutionized and changed their life then there's not necessarily a realization for us about how impactive that would have been on them and how much that would have 
challenged them and been both exciting because of what he said and what's just happened he's just risen from the dead but also sad and like why why are you going um and therefore that kind of tension between the two um as well as focusing on this idea of ascension we're actually also going to use um the lecture as the scriptures so i have not picked a single scripture off my own decision here today this is entirely based on lecturing stuff which has been quite good actually i quite enjoyed it so our first one we're going to is luke 24 luke 24 and lydia's in the good books obviously because she has a paper bible yeah in, in the good book absolutely that with the rest of you i don't know what you're looking at facebook twitter could be anything luke 24 verse 34 and it says this, Luke 24, verse 34. In the context, obviously, Jesus has just risen. He's done that famous walk along the road to Emmaus with uh, Cleopas and just kind of unfolded the kind of from Moses and all the prophets and expanded on where he is in all those scripture references. He's done all of that. Um, and then he's come back um, amongst the disciples after doing this, after vanishing from them. Um, and there's a beautiful bit about the fact that they knew him and recognised him when he broke bread for them. And I'm so tempted to go down that line, but I'm not going to, because um, I'm going to be true to the fact that this, it starts at verse 36. Um, so I'm going to start there. And it says this. Um, now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they, but they were terrified and frightened to suppose they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do you... Why do doubts arise in your hearts? But on my hands and my feet, that it is I myself, handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of uh, boiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. So obviously thinking Jesus is some kind of spirit, they're kind of their acceptance of the fact he's raised from the dead they're struggling with that kind of balance of that and he's with them talking look i'm actually here i'm physically here look at me feel me touch me i'm eating um verse 40, verse 44 says this then he said to them these are the words which i spoke to you while i was with you that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of moses and then the prophets and the psalms concerning me and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are, this is a significant bit, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued the power from on high. Verse 50. And he's led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. I'm going to stop there because I want to just jump across. Now this is Luke talking about what happened. Jesus come back to them. They've struggled with the fact that he's risen from the dead. They struggle with the fact he's not some kind of spirit embodiment of something. He's then reminded them and opened their understanding to the fact that this had to happen. I have to go through this. I have to go through this. And now look guys, you're going to wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem and then there's going to be something that happens where you're witnesses. If we just jump, jump over to Acts which is also written by Luke. It's quite significant in the sense of it's the same guy, the same author, but he 
he uses Acts 1 to unpack a little bit more detail in what's happened in, the, in this encounter with Jesus. And it says this in Acts 1, verse 1. The former account I made, i.e. the Gospel of Luke, uh, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, and after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles when he had chosen, sorry, who, whom he had chosen, to whom he, he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, this is insignificant, this is Luke explaining the same thing, he's kind of recapping almost, um, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Verse 9. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by him, so I stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. I'm going to stop there. So, Ascension. I want to pick up one thought and one thought only from this, which is always a helpful thing for people listening. And it's this phrase. Verse 6, he says this. So they said to him, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? So their mentality, despite the fact he's been with them for three and a half years, he's died, he's rose from the dead, he has then spoken to them for 40 days about the kingdom of God. Their mentality is still, Lord, will you? Lord, will you? Their mentality is still, this guy, this Jesus, is, is the answer. And he is the answer. Hear me right, I'm not saying we've got some kind of new gospel coming in. He is the answer. But is their, their mentality is not the mentality he wants them to have. Because in Luke, it talks about the fact he said that you're going to be the witnesses. You're going to be ones that witness what's happened and be a testimony to what has happened. But they're still caught into this mindset of God... Jesus, are you going to do something about this? And he responds and he talks about, I'm not going to go into this too much, but he responds and says, not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but, and that's a significant thing, you shall. So Jesus shifts the attention. They're asking him a question going, Jesus, what are you going to do? And he goes, blah, 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 you guys will receive power. And he shifts the mentality for them. Their focus is, Jesus, you need to do something about this. You're back. You come back from the dead. That's awesome. You are literally going to take over everything. You're going to, going to reign supreme. You are unbeatable because you can't even be beaten by death. Their mentality is, Jesus, you're going to do something. And he literally flips on his head and goes, no, guys, I'm not. You're going to receive power. You're going to be the one. And he says in verse um, 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me and you. Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and for me there's something so fundamentally significant about that because then they talk about later on they say this that Jesus then goes up into heaven 
And while they stood looking steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? And that's the question for myself, for us in the room. What are we gazing at? What is it that we are looking at that's making us stand waiting for something to happen? Because that's what these guys were doing. They were, they've just watched this guy who is their everything go. Still with the mentality, geez, what are you going to do? And they've just watched their answer, their solution, their hope, their everything just ascend into heaven. And then they're just gazing there. And these two angels or these two men in water power come along and go, why are you looking there? The same guy who went that way is going to come back that way. But it's almost this idea, look, you've got to move on. Not move on from Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. Hebrews says that, that looking unto Jesus. But they were caught by the physical Jesus. Because they lived with him physically. These two men, these two angels, these two men in white power, whatever they were, came along to say, guys, we need to move you on from looking at this physical Jesus. Look at the message he left for you. Look, look at the, the call he gave you. You need to move on from looking for this physical Jesus and realise that he's given a message to you, a, a responsibility to you, for you to go and be witnesses now. Not to wait for him to come back in the same way he came. Not to wait and just stand gazing there, but to move on. And my question to myself when I was preparing this, I felt God really say, what am I looking at? What am I waiting on? Am I waiting on some kind of exterior sign to dictate to me, now it's time. Go, Steve. Am I waiting for what we do, what I do, to look like what that person over there does. And then it's the right time. Am I waiting for circumstances to change so that it allows me to then go and do what I have a sense that I'm called to do? Am I waiting for myself to feel confident enough to go and move and do what Jesus has called me to do? Am I waiting for whatever it may be? And that's the thing, what am I waiting for? What are we waiting for? Because I still think there's a sense of, in my own heart, in my own thinking, it's like, that I'm still waiting for something. Somewhere in my thinking, this is a belief that God will make something happen. God will give me a message or send me a sign. These guys, come on, let's move on from here. Why are you standing there staring? I really sense in me, as I was doing, I was like, God, that, that's powerful, but... That's, for me, the challenge of ascension. Because my seeming hope has just gone away. And yet his message was, you're the witnesses. Go. Be a witness. Move, do, these kind of things. And yet these disciples who had him say that to them, they were the ones that heard it firsthand. They were the ones that had it spoken to him, still are standing there going, I'm just waiting. I'm just standing. I'm just looking because it will definitely come back. He just died, didn't he? He'll definitely come back again somehow. Yeah, Jesus is, is creating space for them to go, go on, go and do. And my challenge to us in, and to myself is what do we look to as hope? What are we waiting for to be our answer? Are we waiting for something to move into Coventry to, that's a negative thing to kickstart us?
when it's for someone to move into commentary that's a positive thing to kickstarters we're waiting for when i've got these things sorted out when my life is balanced like this when this has happened when someone comes and says something to me like this when when whatever it may be when i just have this sense of unction from the holy spirit i'm not knocking that at all but when all these things what am i what am i gazing at what am i waiting for before i go and do and that will be different for every single one of us in the room but that i feel is the challenge this morning because jesus's message is yes the Bible talks about beholding unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But then the next line is so significant. That you run your race. The, the, the whole point of when we behold unto Jesus, it isn't something, if we really capture it, that makes us become just stargazers. When I behold unto Jesus, it makes something happen in me that means I start going and doing. And therefore, I really sense that there's a provocation from God for that, 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 that we are to not wait for something to happen. Not wait for something to trigger that. I am absolutely for being led by the Holy Spirit, but I really strongly believe that we look for that as sometimes a way out for not doing something now, or for, as a need for a kickstart to do something that I actually know I should be doing anyway. And the Holy Spirit going, look, I'm with you, but move, do something, and I'll back you. I'll be with you in those moments. He gave them to be witnesses. They said, Look, you're my witnesses. You're the ones. Amazingly, it says this. If you just go to Ephesians 1, again, this is from the lecture, and it's powerful because of the way they're so Luke, the Acts 1, and then Ephesians 1. And it's powerful that this is the message that is going across hundreds of churches right now. These scriptures, these messages, this thing. It says in Ephesians 1 verse 15, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding are being flooded with light or enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. You may know what the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints, and you may know what is exceeding greatness of power toward us who believe. According to the working of his mighty power, which worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. For above all principality and power, and every might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him to be there all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, for us all in all. For me, it, it, it's phenomenal, because... That, I'm going to break it down really slowly, not, not again to teach grandma to suck eggs, but just because it's significant, okay? Paul is talking here and saying how he prays for the Ephesian church. This is what I pray for you. The first thing he says in verse 17, he says, Look, I'm praying that the God of our Father, the, sorry, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you. So that is you individually, you corporate you, but it's you. No, it's not Jesus, it's, it's you. That he give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your heart will be flooded with light. He's saying, look, I'm praying that this spirit of wisdom and revelation breaks in on you to such a degree that it, it floods the eyes of your heart with light. That when the eyes of my heart are flooded with light, it doesn't mean that something new happens. It doesn't mean something different happens. It just means that you see what's always been there. You see what's always been present because it enlightens it. 
And therefore, that for me is my prayer for myself, for our family, for our church, for people I connect with, that, that we are f- have this sense of wisdom relation that floods in. Not that we, again, wait, staring and go, okay, Jesus, I'm waiting for this wisdom relation to come in, because actually there's enough of that already. We know enough of those things. And so often the challenge doesn't become, I don't know enough. The challenge becomes, okay, do I do something with what I know? And then his prayer continues, and his prayer is, is phenomenal when you kind of look at it part by part. It says this, that in verse 18, the eyes of your heart were flooded with light. That this may happen, then he says. And when I read it, in a, in a, not in a different way, but in a, just a way to make it a bit clearer. This is that you may know what is the hope of his calling. So you may know what is the hope of his calling, a purpose. You would know a purpose, the hope of his calling. Now the next bits are mind-blowing in some ways. That you would know what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Not the riches of his glory of his inheritance. Not what's in heaven, but what he's invested into the saints. They said, I want you to know two things. I want to know that you're calling, the hope of his calling. I want you to know the richness, the vastness of the inheritance he's put in the saints. And then thirdly, I want you to know what's the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. And then Paul goes on to talk about the amazingness of that power, that, that, that that's the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So what's Paul doing? He's redirecting the focus, saying, look guys, you're not actually waiting for anything. You're not waiting for the next thing. You're not stargazing or gazing up at the sky hoping that Jesus is going to come back down. He said, look, I want you to realise what's been invested into you individually as a corporate group. There's not really a separation in some sense, but individually as a corporate group, this, this, this is what's been invested. And that means that therefore there's a hope of your calling. There's a rich inheritance in the saints. He's put that inheritance in the saints. And that's a twofold thing for me. That's the fact that, okay, he's invested that in me, but also enables me to recognise what he's invested in you. And it's therefore the realisation it's here, it's present. We're not waiting for it to come back down. He's invested it in here, now. And his message is the same. Go and do something with it. And then he says, and I want you also to know the exceeding greatness, the power toward us who believe. They want you to recognise the fact that that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that same ability, that same dunamis, that same thing that's there is living in the inside of you. That you're not waiting for heaven to come down, but you're waiting to release heaven where you are right now. And the, and the, and the challenge is that that is him saying, look, go and do something. It's here already. You're not waiting for it to come. You're not waiting for it to return. You're not waiting, not waiting, not waiting. Saying, look, it's here, it's here, it's here. Go and do something. Go and change something. Go and step out and challenge yourself. Go and, go and extend it further. Because the message is, to the, from Jesus to the, to the disciples, to the early church, Peter eventually caught it because he stood up and said something. The, the, the other disciples, the other early apostles, they, they went and did something. All of them went and started to do something. And the issue was that they, they did things, and sometimes they disagreed with some of the stuff they did, but they went and did stuff. Because they caught the fact, okay, actually we're not meant to just wait for him to come back anymore. He's just sent us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has enabled us to go and now do what he told us to do in the first place. Go and be witnesses. And it's a challenge, because I think for me... Sometimes, maybe it is just me, and if it is, then you just have to listen to me rant on about me for the last half an hour. But um, I really sense this kind of thing of God saying, 
just go and do go and test yourself go and challenge yourself go and, go and be tenacious go and step out of that thing and, and just do it just push the boundaries if it goes horrendously wrong it goes horrendously wrong but go and just push it not like just in a nice way but in a kind of radically transforming way at the men's weekend away which three of us are in here from that he talked so strongly it was beautiful about the idea of selfless ambition that I think sometimes we have accepted this idea of actually I'm just going to be maybe again me but just humble and contrite and withdraw myself but actually God really challenged me in that weekend because Barnabas didn't not do anything Barnabas was incredibly tenacious in his movement forward and that tenacity made space for the people and that's the beautiful thing about it that I think sometimes in, in, in perhaps English culture maybe it is there's this idea that I don't want to necessarily push it out too far because what if it looks like this what if it goes wrong what if this happens what if I look arrogant and prideful and what it may be but Barnabas was tenacious he made space for the people because he believed and recognised who he was and I think God is just saying look again and again look you know who you are you know who you are go and do something with it go and do something with it and do you know everything not at all do, is everything ticked off not at all is there fears and doubts and concerns absolutely but just go and do something anyway just go and find the next person that's sick and pray for them just go and, I don't know, go and find a family member and pray for your family member. Go and do something that just pushes it out where it's kind of like, I'm going to be in this space now. And I really just sense that, uh, that kind of thing that's coming again and again and again. It's a sense of raising expectations of what's possible. Raising the expectation. What is possible? What is possible if I start to push that out a little bit? What's possible if I start to move it a bit? I'm going to finish with this. And I showed this last weekend, and I hope it's loaded up. It's had ages to do it. Not looking promising. Thank you. I'll try that one.